0: So let me just introduce myself. My name is Justin Hewitt. Uh, I am the youth director for the the youth at the Syracuse campus. Um, Director sounds like it's pretty important. And the youth are important. Um, But basically what that means is I get to to hobnob with the kids uh, 7th through 12th grade. I get to spend a lot of time with them. Um, My midnight sleigh buddies, right? Um, I get to spend a lot of time with your kids and so I just thank you for sharing them with me. Um, thank you for um, sending them up to class. If you haven't been up to class and you, and you meet that demographic 7th to 12th, um, I would just encourage you to come up and and enjoy our, uh, join in our conversation. I'd like to get to know you. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, it works, it's awesome. So if you're just joining us, um, maybe it can be a little awkward. You're thinking, crap, I just uh, said crap at church. Um, but you're thinking, ah, they're in the middle of a series. Ah, I wish I kind of knew what was going on. So I'm going to give you a recap. We're in the book of Mark. Um, and, and Jesus, in the past weeks, we've seen Jesus being baptized. Uh, we see him starting a small group. We see him casting out demons. We see him doing various healings and teaching. He's always teaching. I want you to keep that in mind that everywhere Jesus goes, he's he's teaching, he's saying something, he's he's giving out nuggets of truth. And last week, you learned about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. And the leprosy was um, a metaphor for the sin that affects our life. And it affects our entire body and our entire soul and being and and the way we we interact with others and and the way that we interact with God. And so today we are going to talk about um, Jesus is greater than religion. If any of those things that I said to you uh, just a moment ago interest you, we have all of our sermons um, online if you go to pursuegod.org or alpinechurch.org. Um, the podcast and the sermons library, all that stuff is, is really, there's been a lot of people put a lot of effort into that, so you can catch up if, you know, you want to send that stuff, share it with a friend, those resources are there. So the sermon today is on Jesus is greater than religion, and it worked again on two for two. Um, When I say the word religion, what comes to your mind? Because you see, we have this, maybe this negative connotation about religion. Religion can feel weighty. It can be negative. um, Maybe obligatory, like there's just checklists and things to do. Maybe you've been hurt by religion. Maybe you've been outcast by religion. I want to encourage you that Jesus is against religion. So if it it does strike you as negative, you're in the right place and I'm here to tell you that Jesus bristles against religion as well. Um, Jesus is for relationship. So there's a couple of things that set us Um, that separate us from God. And I created this really cool balance beam. Um, But sin, on the one side, we want to stay away from that, and we we try to balance and and stay away from sin. But we can go too far and get off track, and we, we end up being religious. We end up being judgmental. We end up hurting the gospel, we end up hurting one another because we become so self-righteous in our religious deeds. I think for this conversation I wanted to define religion so that we can be all on the same page, at least for this discussion. Um, So, in one sense, religion is just the way we live out our relationship with God. And I think we would all agree with that that religion, that is a basic definition of religion, um, regardless of the deity that you worship or the deity that you're serving. The other that we're going to focus on today is toxic religion, which is a system that tries to control God's access to God, or sorry, tries to control people's access to God and His blessings. if that kind of resonates with you, the resonation of just like, you feel like you didn't measure up, you feel like you couldn't do enough, and maybe even if you did all the stuff that your religion required, you still felt far from God. And maybe you're giving Jesus a second chance. Maybe you're not sure. Something's missing, something's not right. And maybe you have more in common with Jesus than you realize, because Jesus came, and we're going to see, we're going to, we're going to go through this scripture, but Jesus came to kind of dismantle toxic religion and talk about relationship. So we're going to read here, Mark, about, uh, I really I kind of messed up, I'm sorry, uh, With the religion, before I read this with Mark, I just wanted to say, religion is what happens when we try to do the job of the Holy Spirit. Religion is what happens when people add rules and seek to control people with those rules. People, we argue about neutral things, secondary issues, like infant baptism versus believer baptism. We, we argue about the day of worship. We argue about spiritual gifts. Do you speak in tongues? How can you have the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues? The Bible translation that you use, is it correct? Is it right? Is the Bible even accurate or has it been corrupt? Without the Holy Spirit, religion is ultimately godless. And so how do we church because I think back at that balance beam like how do we church we want to avoid sin and our tendency is to create rules and boundaries to get away from sin to balance that beam the other way but then we become religious and we become stuffy and weird and 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 look down and maybe I'm doing maybe I'm a little better on my balance beam than you are right I mean that's common in our communities I may not be perfect, but I'm better than so-and-so. Those people, that shouldn't even be in our vocabulary, so how do we church? How do we, become, how do we not become a Pharisee ourselves? Does religion make it weird to invite your friends? And what can we do to invite our friends, if it is weird, what can we do to invite our friends to church? So, we're going to talk about four friends here. So, we're going to go to God's Word. My slides are way ahead of me, but now I'm caught up. In chapter. Verse, uh, in Mark and chap- uh, chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later the news spread quickly that he was back home soon the house he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside of the door while he was preaching God's word to them four men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd So they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and then they lowered the man right down in front of Jesus. If we think about this scene, Jesus is, he's tweeting, he's trending, he is picking up passengers. He started his own channel, right? He's gaining popularity, he's gaining momentum, he is like the latest buzz. The crowds are showing up, you know this weekend we've got the WNBA not WNBA <laughs> wow we I just want to be about equality <laughs> see God's funny God's funny I didn't even have that in my notes God is good we got the NBA, NBA all-star game in Salt Lake City and if you've been lucky enough to go or be a part of that, that's great. And But they've said on the news, like, plan ahead. Where are you going to park? If you don't have to be in the city, don't go. It's crazy how much, like the influx of population. So maybe not that many people, but on a percentage basis, there was that many people packed around, packed around this house. Think about... Think about those celebrity players, your favorite players, Uh, Team LeBron and Team Giannis, last name, undecipherable. (laughs) Think about those guys, these guys that are so cool, they don't even have to play basketball. They're celebrities because of their stardom. Imagine those guys putting on a shooting clinic over here at Syracuse Rec, right? Free shooting clinic for kids and Any young adults. That's the kind of crowd we're talking about. Can you imagine trying to get in there? Can you imagine trying to get my kid in there so he could get a ball signed, get his t-shirt signed? I don't know, just like touch and feel a professional athlete? Like that's kind of what this is going on here in Capernaum. This is, Jesus is creating that kind of stir. So it's that crowded, and these guys, these four friends are going to great lengths to get their paralyzed friend in front of the man they believe can heal him. Have you ever had a best friend? I once heard it said that a best friend would, or a good friend would bail you out of jail, and your best friend would be with you in jail, right? So are you a good friend or are you a best friend? Because these guys are best, these guys are best friends. They're willing to vandalize private property on behalf of their friend. We kind of breeze past that, right? But somebody's home, somebody's ticked. Kinda. I mean, debatably on the, on the whether the structure of the home was was you know, what that looked like, and maybe there was some sort of opening already. You know They did cooking in the home, there needed to be a way for, for smoke and things, maybe to leave these buildings, these small little houses. In doing my research, the houses were not much bigger than our garages. And oftentimes people had their animals with them. I, not many of us are spending the night in our garage with our vehicles, right? And, and so they're cooking, and they have animals, and, and so maybe there was a partial hole in the roof. We don't really know, but these guys had to definitely widen that hole. They had to make a mess. They had to make a scene. They were taking a risk. And so they lower the man down. It's a lot of effort. Questionably, whether or not they're in trouble with the law, I don't know who's enforcing that, right? Some sort of civil suit, that's coming later. It might be one of the questions we ask Jesus. Like, what are, tell me about the roof thing. Like, those guys are getting in trouble. Like, you know, do they have to pay a fine? Do they do community service after that? So seeing their faith. Uh, is that where I'm at? Yeah. So they lower this man down right in front of Jesus. And then Jesus says, seeing their face, their faith. <laughs> Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith and your sins are forgiven. We can breeze past that. We tried, it was on the previous slide. Then I put it there again and highlighted it. So we can't breeze past it. Somebody highlighted it for a reason and when I was studying this, this scripture, I saw the deity of Christ. Because how do you see faith? I can't see your faith. I can't measure it, it's not tangible, I can't put it on a scale. I don't know how much faith you have. Jesus sees into the deepest parts of our existence, to our soul. And he sees my faith. He sees your faith. He saw their faith. And then he says something else that reveals his deity that your sins, my child, your sins are forgiven. This doesn't sit well with the religious leaders. Maybe you could breeze past seeing their faith. Because that's the story that's being told. But, my child, your sins are forgiven. That's a quotation. Jesus is stating that. The religious leaders are not pleased. And we're going to read here on the next couple of slides. We're going to continue in Scripture. It says, when God returned to Capernaum several several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside of the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, oh, holy moly. (laughs) Right side of the page, I beg your pardon. So, rewind, (laughs) the Pharisees are ticked. (laughs) Okay, they're bothered. And it says some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves what is he saying this is blasphemy only God can forgive sins." sin see I did that I turned this over I will not read that again the religious leaders we have to put like trying to make that real right because it's fun it's not fun it's it's how we, we can poke fun at the Pharisees, though, and we can see, be like, these guys are idiots. You know, how could they not see? You know, w- w- Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus did all these things. If we're honest, we have to realize that we have so much more information than they have. We get to see the story that God has wrote from beginning to end and how it's all about Jesus. They're in the middle, they're in real time these guys were elite they were educated and they were responsible for keeping god's word and keeping god's commandments and trying to keep israel safe or honoring god trying to keep them in good grace with god and on that teeter bar thing that i made earlier it's it's like they're leaning so far They're so afraid of sinning and they're wanting to keep Israel pure and holy that they go way, way, way to the right. And they're so religious and they're so controlling. God gave 10 commandments and they came up with another 590 rules to build around that. They're also politically connected. The Romans weren't that interested in Israel other than we just don't want any problems with Israel. So they were they were educated, they were political, and they're trying to see this in real time and so like they had the right understanding, you can't claim to be God. You can't claim to be God. It made sense to them and it is and it is in some respect right. If they don't this is, the first, this is the first onset, this is the first tackle where Jesus is confronting them. So maybe we can give them a break because I think we're all a little bit pharisaical, religious with our, with our kids, with our spouses. We expect a certain performance, we expect them to do certain things and meet up to certain standards. The religious leaders had this same expectation for the Messiah. They, they thought that the Messiah was going to come and restore Israel back to the good old days when King David was in charge. Get rid of these Romans. Make our life good again. So a guy coming to claim to be God and healing some sick people and hanging out with, with um, maybe blue-collar folks wasn't, wasn't their idea. They thought he would probably come to their their temple and talk to them and talk about the scrolls and talk about politics and how are we going to overthrow the Roman government and this is our plan don't miss Jesus because he comes to you unexpected see I'm going the right direction I'm going to continue in scripture here it says Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking so he asked them why do you question this in your hearts Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. So the question is, which is harder? To forgive sins or to heal paralyzed legs. Only God can do both or either. But Jesus does this in a certain order. Again, like our faith, it can't be seen, it can't be weighed, it can't be measured. Not by humans. But Jesus forgives the sins which we can't see. We can't see the spiritual needs of of our brothers and sisters and and within our church. We can't see necessarily that need. Jesus meets our greatest need. He comes and he heals the man of his greatest need. And then to reinforce that, he he gives the visual, he gives the temporal to where the man is... is gonna pick up his mat and go home. It says in 1 Timothy, for there is one God, one mediator, mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. That's the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is greater than your church. Jesus is greater than your religious system. Jesus is greater than your sin, and he's greater than your good works. Like the paralyzed man, we need to also just keep our eyes on Jesus and then walk in obedience. Walking in obedience, the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praise God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. It's just Jesus pulling it off. It's just Jesus healing a man after he was forgiven of his sins, after he met his greatest need. So, in conclusion this this winter um, we went to Winterfest. I say we uh, it was myself and other youth leaders and directors uh, from other campuses and and we got to to go to, up to Big Canyon Ranch in Colville and We got a great sermon series taught up there about Jesus being the way. And you might see, let me bounce around out here, make people nervous, I'm coming at you. Um, So you can see these sweatshirts, the way, and it's got the scripture on there, same one that's up on the board. And Jesus is the way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. The Bible says no one has seen the Father, but yet Jesus says you have seen him. It's another hint at that, that deification, that, that deity of Christ. In John 10, 7, Jesus refers to himself as do, the door. And in Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14, he's a narrow gate. How much time we got left? <laughs> Last summer, we went on vacation with some Some dear friends, and we got to go through some narrows. (laughs) If you've ever had that that chance to go through a narrow slot canyon, you know maybe what we're talking or what I'm trying to to allude to. It's a narrow gate, it's a narrow passage. And if you haven't, the next time you take a vacation or you go to Bryce and you go to the narrows, don't think about me, but think about Jesus. Think about Jesus being the narrow. The way, the door, the narrow gate, you kind of have to do the shimmy. I know the NBA has a shimmy, I think, when they hit three-pointers, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm being a boomer. Um, But a narrow gate, like you have to, I think some of us are narrower than others, but like you have to, you kind of got to sidestep through the narrow gate. And I think for me, that's a great word picture because the Bible, and Jesus says that many will come, but few will enter. Few will enter. Lord, Lord, didn't we know? Didn't you, didn't we, we professed your name. We cried out your name. The Pharisees are going to say the same thing. There's a lot of religions. There's a lot of people that are saying they're Christian, but have they really encountered a relationship with Jesus Christ? the true and living God. To shimmy through that narrow gate, there's no room for your sin. There's no room to get through that gate with your sin, but there's also no room to get through that gate with all your trophies and your good works. It's just you, man. And parents, I know you want to take your kids through there. But students, listen to me. It's admit one. It's about a personal relationship. You're not getting in on mom and dad's coattails. They might have brought you here today. And that's amazing. That's great. And you should thank them. But, like, you're going to have to do the shimmy through the gate on your own. Um... Big takeaway um, Jesus plus anything ruins everything. If you don't remember anything else that I said today, but, and don't remember my mistakes, but Jesus plus anything ruins everything. So at Alpine, we have Jesus plus nothing. So Jesus invites you to come directly to him by faith and not through a religious system. So how do we church? Invite your friends. Bring your friends. This isn't a religion. This is a place where you can meet Jesus. Students, bring your friends to Fusion. Is it awkward? Is it weird? Yeah, maybe for a minute. Because it it feels like religion. If you grow up in a religious culture and you're saying, hey, come to my church, it's going to feel weird because religion's weird. We we make it weird because we're broken, we're screwed up, and we're weird. When we don't sin, we just get weird, and Jesus says, stop being weird. (laughs) I'm just having way too much fun now. I'm not, I'm not even scared of you guys anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, invite your friends. Students, we have game night like once a month. If the real youth leader is on task and on schedule and doing what he's supposed to be doing, I know when we don't have game night, it's like you can imagine the disappointment. It's horrible. But we do have game night once a month. And that's, a, that's an amazing time because it's like come to my church and hang out and see that we're not weird. Um, thank you for this, this time. Thank you for your patience. Um, thank you for letting me read a couple of those slides twice and not embarrassing me. Um, I'm going to pray us out of here, and then um, we're just going to finish up with one last song and, and, and praise Jesus, and, and that's it. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this time. I thank you for the privilege, God, to just speak to your church. God, I pray um, that this message, God, would just resonate with everybody in here. God, we're all in a different place. God, we all have sin. We all have garbage, um, things that we're ashamed of, things that we're not proud of, God. But certainly, there are things where where we say we're doing pretty good. And I've done this, and I've achieved that, and I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm in an okay place. I'm doing better than those people. God, I pray that you would strike those people out of our vocabulary, God, that we would not be pretentious and religious, God, but that we would just keep our eyes on you and that we would be able to, to focus um, on who you are and what you've done on our, on our behalf. Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit, God, during this last uh, song, and pray for the worship team, and and God, just everybody's uh, week, God, I pray that we can be invitational, I pray that this church explodes, God, and we love you, we praise you, and we say these things in your name, amen.